Good morning. No seating outside today. God wanted all of us together, so he brought a drizzly morning to us. So I know that sometimes when you're sitting real close to somebody you don't know, like in the seat next to him, it's kind of like, oh, I need my space. But I see we got some room today, so welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. Hey, uh, today we're going to continue part two of our series, Risk Reward. And uh, we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus as he spoke them in the Sermon on the Mount, where he taught his followers about things to treasure. What should we treasure? Our passage today is Matthew chapter 6, so if you want to start turning there, you can. First book in the New Testament, and it's about two-thirds way into the Bible. So Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21, just three verses we're going to cover today. And uh, these will be the very words of Jesus as spoken, and so we'll be hearing from him personally today. And let me just back up a minute and say the Sermon on the Mount covers uh, three chapters, five, six, and seven of Matthew. And uh, in the middle is about where we're at today, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount is focused on teaching us what it would take, what it would look like if we followed the essential uh, teachings of Jesus and lived them out. What would it look like if we lived out what Jesus taught us? And so we're going to be covering three verses today. That's, I'll tell you, there's enough stuff in those three verses to challenge us and to change us. So buckle your seatbelts, because here we go. So here we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen behind me. And I'm going to read these three verses. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are the words of Jesus to us today. You may remember in the movie, Lord of the Rings. It's a great, great trilogy of movies. And, and in this movie and in this story, there is a group of sometimes reluctant heroes who take off to try and save their world from evil. And the story starts with a character named Frodo Baggins. And he receives this magic ring from his uncle Bilbo. And Frodo learns that this ring has power to control the entire world. But not only that, he discovers it will also corrupt its owner. And so Frodo and and a bunch of of others, his friends, set out to destroy the ring by going back to the place it was made, throwing it into this volcanic fire mess called the Crack of Doom. The ring was a simple gold, pure gold band. But because of its power, everyone who owned it called it My precious. (laughs) Once you have this powerful ring, it becomes your precious. And those who tried to own it never wanted to give it up. It became for them their treasure. (laughs) Everyone who held possession of this ring was more than willing to go to some extreme sacrifices for it. And the treasure that they had became the focus, the total focus of their life. It became something that literally ran their life, and it it, it had this potential of determining their long-term destiny in life. 
Now I share that because we're going to see today that what we treasure, what we allow to become the focus of our life, also has the ability to run our life and potentially to determine our long-term destiny in life. What we treasure is what we're going to talk about today. So let me start with a question just for a moment to ask you as we jump into this topic about treasure. What do you treasure the most? What do you treasure the most? I'm going to pause for just a minute, maybe not a whole minute, but I'm going to pause for a few seconds. I just want you to stop and think about that. Don't let the silence be uncomfortable, but I just want you to take a minute, because as I went through studying this week and the last week, I was trying to figure out what is the treasure that I consider the most valuable? So take a minute, think about that. What is the treasure you value the most? See your minds working. <laughs> All right, maybe you have it. Wasn't maybe long enough for some, too long for others, but maybe you have that idea of what you treasure the most. Maybe for some of you, it's a prized family heirloom. You know, it's maybe something's been passed down from generation to generation, and now you have it, and so you treasure it. Maybe, maybe it's your retirement account because. You're counting on that money and that account to take care of you when when you're not working anymore. Maybe it's that recently remodeled kitchen and now it's just exactly the way you want it and you just treasure that. Maybe it's your family, your spouse, your kiddos. Maybe it's that special piece of jewelry that you were given by the person you love and you just could never see yourself parting with that special piece of jewelry. What is it that you treasure the most? I think it's safe to say that all of us treasure something. We have maybe multiple treasures. We have things that we really treasure. And of course, Jesus knows this. And in these three verses that we're going to cover today, he's going to teach us about two different kinds of treasure. And these two different kinds of treasure are really in contrast with each other. And each one is connected literally to its own risk and its own reward. And so as we walk through these verses, we're going to see Jesus teach us about where we do not store up our treasure and where we should store up our treasure. And then we're going to see the connection between where we choose to store treasure and what happens to us, what happens to our hearts with the choice that we make. So you can see why I said, get ready. This is going to be a fun time. So let's look at the, the first uh, verse we're going to look at today, verse 19. I'm just going to start at the beginning and, cut and stop uh, halfway through. It says, do not store treasures for yourselves on earth. So we're not to store treasures on earth. Now, the command is pretty simple, right? Don't do it. Well, you remember as a kid, whenever somebody said, don't do it, what happened? You wanted to do it. Yeah, we all wanted to do that. That's right. So we wanted to do the very thing we were told not to do. Now, hopefully, we're all adults in here now. 
And we have overcome that thing where we're told not to do something, well, we're gonna go do it. That's our goal for today. But I wanna take a look at a couple of these words in this first half of this verse. First of all, I wanna look up the word store up. What does that mean? What does he mean when he says store up? Well, here it means to put something away to be used for the future, to keep something that's of great value safe. We store up something when we hold on to things that are precious to us, <laughs> creating an increase, creating an, an accumulation of things. And these things have certain amount of value and we want to keep them safe, so we store them up. We accumulate them. You could see what I accumulate if I open the garage door and let you come over and inspect it. Because I have boxes and boxes of stuff and I go, oh, let's just get rid of this stuff. Let's get rid of this stuff. No, I may need it for, oh no, it doesn't really work that way. I'm accumulating some earthly treasure. Now the second word is treasure. I want to speak to that just a minute because Jesus defines this word treasure as our wealth. Usually he's speaking about the form of wealth we have in money and in possessions. So the idea of storing up treasure here is about increase. It's about building up of wealth over time. It's amassing, it's producing and growing our wealth. Now this wealth can be, as we're gonna learn, either in earthly things or in heavenly things. And so Jesus starts off though by telling us where it's not supposed to be. We're not to store up for ourselves earthly treasures. We're not to amass that kind of wealth, building up wealth in the form of these money and possessions. Now, we learn very early in life, don't we? When you walk into a store and, and you see something that you like and you want to buy, what is the first thing you do? What did what you say? Check out the price. Check out the price. There's a woman after my own heart. A woman yelled out, first service, I just buy it. I go, okay, well, well I don't know if I want to do that. No, you look at the price tag, why? Because you want to know, do I have the money for this? And if I have the money, do I want to spend the money for this? Is it a reasonable cost? It's at this point that we learn about the power that money possesses. Because money and the amount of money you have can either allow you or it can prevent you from having certain things, doing certain things. Some people even argue being a certain thing. <laughs> the power of money, money, is powerful, no argument with that. Money is powerful. By the way, the power of money is not a 21st century thing, and it's not a first century thing, it is a human thing. Welcome to the human race, the money is powerful in our lives. The money, because Jesus repeatedly talks about this thing of money, he, he knows the value of it, he knows the power of it. He understands that money is powerful. And Jesus understood that, that money is one of those primary competitors that steps into the ring of our hearts. It's a competitor that constantly asks us these questions. Will you love me? <laughs> Will you serve me money? Will you allow me to be the master of your thoughts and your pursuits? And Jesus describes this competition that we all face a couple of verses later when he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He knows the power of money and how it takes us away from God. See, to treasure means when you look at something, you allow your heart to be filled with the beauty and the value of it. And to treasure something is to say, if I have this, everything I have to do to get it will be worth it. You're looking at it and it's your 
treasure, like in the Lord of the Rings. At the center of everybody's soul in this was my precious. It's something you looked at and you said, it's precious to me. And if I have this thing, then all is going to be okay. And here's the truth. Whatever it is, we're imprisoned to it. Our soul treasures something so much that we will pay a price and sometimes too much of a price for it. And we will do nearly anything to get it because we think it's the only thing that's worth it. What is that thing that is so precious to us? That thing that captures our attention, that thing that we think is worth it and so we give up other things for it. That thing that you just can't live without. And so this leads us to ask the question, What was Jesus referring to when he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth? Well, let me explain it this way. I'm not gonna make a list of what is a treasure on earth and what's not. Let me just explain it this way. If God told you to give that treasure, remember that treasure that maybe some of you thought of and you go, that's my treasure most? If he told you to give it away right now and you said, God, (laughs) could we give away something else? You know, because I don't wanna give that away. I'll give you anything else away, but not that. Can we move over here, please? You know what happens then? You don't own that thing. It owns you. And that's what we've got to be careful of. Because God will test what's really first in our life by asking us to give away the very thing we are holding most tightly to. And if you can't give it, then you're treasuring earthly things. Treasuring earthly things. And the reality about these earthly things is that they are, only, they are temporary. How do we know that? Because look what says next in the verse. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So these earthly treasures have these liabilities in, 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 their, in their existence. He says moths will eat them. The best clothing at the time was made of wool, and everyone wanted to have wool clothing. It was, it, but there was this problem that moths came in and started eating the wool. They would destroy the wool. Now, here's I, this is just kind of a little gross made for some, but these moths come in and they lay their eggs on your clothing, and then the larvae come and they start eating the little holes. Now, not too long ago, I found an older suit that had a hole in it. I go, really, is that what happened to my suit? I had those eggs and I had those larvae. Ooh, I just want to think about that. <laughs> Not good, right? But, but because clothing was so expensive then, especially wool, they placed a high value on it. Jesus knew they treasured it. But not only that, he talks about vermin. Vermin, he says, will destroy those earthly treasures. Now, I know some of your translations, depending on what, what ver- translation you're reading, will, tr- will trade the word vermin for rust. Anybody have the word rust in, their, in the Bible they read? Okay, good. Well, let me explain that then. The literal meaning of this word is eating away. So you can see how vermin eat things away and rust eats things away, right? So both of those are probably workable. So because things would be eaten away, vermin, we're talking about insects and rodents. I mean, also very viable to people in the first century was food. But they didn't have refrigerators to keep food from the day to the day to the day, right? Like we do today. So they were really susceptible to insects and rodents coming along, and it was valuable to them. They treasured it. And then anything made of metal, of course, we know if it's not cared for properly, what happens? It's eaten away by rust. Now, those are two things. Now, the third thing Jesus says about these earthly treasures is that they're objects of thieves who like to come in and steal them. 
People of lots of treasure at that time owned pieces of jewelry, precious stones, and anybody, they probably didn't have safes in those times. I don't know where they dug holes and put them in the ground. I don't know what they did with their precious stuff, but, but they would get stolen. I don't know how many of you have experienced this. I've experienced this in my life. One day early on in our marriage, Miriam and I, we came home one day and the bedroom window had been busted into and footprints all over our bed and that was bad enough as it was. But, but then we go to the jewelry box and Miriam's jewelry box, most all the jewelry was gone. <laughs> so that took us back a minute. One of the items that was stolen though was this non-replaceable opal ring that was her grandmother's. And it wasn't that long before her dad had found this opal ring, which was his mother's, and he got it and gave it to Miriam. Can you understand the treasure of that? Can you understand the value of that? It was a family heirloom, one of those family heirlooms that we can begin to treasure. And, and, and it was an earthly treasure, and it was stolen. And that day, I remember we were reminded that earthly treasures are temporary. We don't know when they're going to come and go, but they will go. And so we're not to store up earthly treasures, and as we've experienced or talked about, these treasures can be taken away or lost or destroyed very easily. At best, they are fleeting. We hold on to them for a while, and they're gone. So what do we do? Jesus says, don't store up earthly treasures, but he gives us another option. Look at verse 20. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we've got to ask Jesus again, what do you mean by this? What do you mean store up for yourself treasures in heaven? Well, first thing we learn about treasures in heaven is that these kinds of treasures are not going to be eaten. They're not going to be destroyed. They're not going to be stolen. These treasures are really different, aren't they, from earthly treasures? What are they? Let me suggest a few things. I think Jesus is teaching that keeping godly priorities of living righteously and being obedient to Christ and following him accumulates treasure in heaven. I think he's telling us to invest in the causes, in the things that are important to God that bring eternal value. And those causes are not temporary. They're permanent heavenly treasures, because this investment is, is not temporary. It will last forever. And many times, this investment involves our growth or it involves other people, because you know what really matters to God? People. All people. God loves all people. Now, some may see this as a risk, you know, but it becomes a reward to those who use their life on earth to fulfill God's purposes wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. So we store up treasures in heaven, let's say by worshiping God. That's a response of devotion to God. Now I'm not just talking about what we do here Sunday morning in the music time or in this message time. I'm talking about taking our worship, which is saying yes to God and everything he asked us to do, worship and our devotion to him into our everyday lives, into our work life, and following the causes, the things that God has asked to be about in those moments where we give ourselves to God. For example, we store up treasure in heaven when there are people in eternity as a result of our influence. Clearly the Holy Spirit makes the calling and they have, they, 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 God is the one who brings them. But you know who God has chosen to get the message of Jesus out? <laughs> Followers of Jesus. They have stories to tell. We have stories to tell. And so I had to ask myself the question. I ask you the question. Who is in heaven? Who will be in heaven? Because of you. 
Who will be in heaven? I remember walking down the aisle of a Baptist church when I was seven years of age after the pastor, a big burly guy, had given them a message. And because of how God had used him to speak to that message, even at age seven, I could see my need for a savior. I could see my sin. I didn't know what that all was going to mean afterwards, but I knew that God used him. I look forward to seeing Pastor Scott at some point in my life and saying thank you. Who is in heaven because of you, that is a heavenly treasure. Or we store up treasures in heaven when our, when our good deeds make a difference for eternity. What do I mean by that? Last year we went through 1 Timothy. Chapter six says this, part of a, one of the verses says, you that are rich, don't trust in your riches, just goes with what we're talking about today, but rather trust in God and be rich in good deeds and be generous. In this way, he says, Paul says, you lay up treasures for eternity, and then you get to take hold of life, he says, that is really life, that is truly life. That's what I want, isn't that what we all want? We want life, that is truly life. (laughs) There are other ways we build up treasures in heaven, but that's a few. What's the bottom line? We store up treasures in heaven by using our money and our wealth and our possessions that God has entrusted to us to advance his kingdom, to advance what he wants to be advancing, his causes. It's giving, it's giving to advance the gospel, and this can be done through a church or through mission organizations. It's, it's, it's giving of our time and our energy to God's work. We're building up heavenly treasures. It's to live our life in trust and obedience to Christ and to help others to do the same. It could be a lot more than that, but that's a good, good start. So he's given us two different places. He says, don't store up treasures in earth, on earth, but store up heavenly treasures. And each one of these has its own risk and reward. So how, look, let's look at how Jesus spoke about what's going to happen with the choice we make. Look at verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says the place where your treasure rests is revealed by money. And if our heart is set on things of this earth, then we'll be busy about the business of storing up treasure here. A simple way to know what your heart values is to take a look at your checkbook and your calendar. Now, I know none of you are ever going to take me up on this offer, but I, maybe we, we can look together at some of people's checkbooks and some of their schedules and some of their bills and some of their credit card statements, and we could probably quickly determine where your value where, and where my value is. I know that's intimidating, but I would ask you to maybe consider doing that and seeing where your value lies. Where are you putting your treasure The location of our treasure reveals our heart. Money can speak loudly to others and God about who we are and where we place our value. So, can we pause, just get real for a minute with you? I like being real and authentic. How about you? You like being real and authentic, not just all of these wonderful things that God is speaking to us about. But you may be thinking, Gary, you know, some of you probably have heard this or read this passage before. Maybe you've even heard a sermon on this before. And, and, and you know it's scripture and, and you know it's true. But also in your heart of hearts, you say, I just can't go there. I can't go to building up treasures in heaven. The risk is too high for me. 
So why is money and possession so important to us that the risk that we risk making it more valuable than the things of God? That's a good question to answer, isn't it? I think there are two things I want to share with you today about the way of storing up treasures in heaven and why that's so hard. First of all, for many of us, money is our place of significance. One of the reasons we need so much money and we spend it on ourselves is we don't give it, and we don't give it away like we should, is because money is significant. So you know what I'm talking about there, right? The fact that we're able to live in a certain place. The fact that we're able to eat in certain places. The fact that we're able to be accepted in certain social circles or business circles or the fact that we can dress in a certain way. All this makes us feel important. It makes us feel significant. Money is a way of getting significance. And there's a second thing. I think money is, is a place of, of our security. Money can become a place where we feel safe, where we feel secure. Some people say, I need money so I can feel safe. Now, it's really hard to trust that God is going to take care of me, right? It's hard. There's, there's, a, there's a yielding. We say to ourselves, you know, I'm not really sure God will provide for me the things I really want and need. I'm not sure he's on the same page with what I want and what he wants for me. And so I worry about tomorrow and I want to make sure that I can, I can always have, some, have a home and, and food to eat and clothes to wear and cars to drive and da-da-da-da and da-da-da-da and da-da-da. I just can't take the risk that God is going to provide for all I need. I guess that's some of us in here today. Maybe we say, I need to take control and, and make sure this happens the way I want it to happen. I, I need to create my own safety. <laughs> On this topic of safety, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, went out for a combination walk-jog, more walk than jog, just so you know. And, and, and when, I was, when I was walking, during my walking time, this, it was a Christian podcast, the, the speaker said this. He said, following Jesus was never meant to be safe. I thought, that i got to bring that to everyone tomorrow because that's exactly what is true, isn't it? Following Jesus was never meant to be safe. It's, he went on to say, it's not designed to be a life of comfort. Oh, darn, I wish it was. But, but it's, it's a life of selflessness and sacrifice. Now, if you're a Christian here this morning, you've made your trust and placed your faith in Jesus, that's what you signed up for. I don't know if you know that or not. That's what you signed up for, to be like Jesus, who demonstrated his selflessness and his sacrifice for us. So let me just say something a little bit more challenging for us. If we're not giving money away, if we find it difficult if we're not so radically generous that the world is, is amazed at the giving that we Christians do give, and most of us are not, we gotta ask why. So maybe it boils down to significance. Maybe it boils down to security. In other words, you feel, I feel, if, you, if I have money, then I have control in this uncontrollable world. I have control over my life. I, if things come along, I'm safe. And that's where we want to live. What if, if I really live to store up treasures in heaven? How do I know if God is going to take care of me? <laughs> and Jesus says, you know, running after these earthly things is really not going to add a minute to your life. I'll take care of you. If God who, 
It's God who's in control of these things, and we know all too well that tomorrow, tomorrow is not guaranteed for us. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, do we? All this thinking takes me back to my own life. I wanted to bring that to you because this all about treasure has been a journey in my own life and probably still is in many ways. I want to take you back to 1980 where I wrestled with God about money. I was asked to come on staff here at LBF, but, but I knew I'd have to give up a certain lifestyle. I was late 29 or almost 30. I can't remember exactly when, but no, it doesn't matter. So I was 30. I was 30. And, and the things that I, I, I was just beginning to enjoy because of the income I was making and enjoying what I was doing, and I didn't want to give those things up. You can relate to that. I don't want to give those things up. At the time, they were more important to me than serving God at this church. Listen, I was giving financially to the church, but this was something that went way beyond that. And so you know what we all do, right? What I did, I tried to rationalize this decision. I said to myself, listen, I got four kids, probably another one's coming someday. Uh, I got a raise, and this decision is going to reduce my income by nearly 50%. God, I just can't do it. (laughs) doesn't make sense to me. It's not a safe decision for me. But over a period of time, evidently God wanted me here because he kept poking at me. He kept saying things to me. He kept saying, okay, Gary. And it was maybe six months or more that I kept hearing this. I kept thinking this. And and, and, and here's what he would say to me. Why don't you just trust me? Why don't you just trust me? I'll keep you safe. Why don't you just trust me? I'll take care of you. (laughs) So as I look back on that decision now, about 40 years ago, uh, I can tell you that I've always had a home to go to. In fact, I got a better home now than I had then. I have food to eat. I had clothes to wear. The kids had clothes to wear, even though the three girls had to share clothes at times. I had cars to drive, even though at times they broke down. But I had cars to drive. And then so much more. You see... God has spoke to me, store up. I want you to make this expression of your life where you could do this, what you're doing now. You could store up treasures in heaven where you're working now. But no, I want you here, and I want you to trust me at a level that maybe you won't trust me in other places. And so he has provided a life filled with daily meaning and purpose beyond anything else I could give to. I had a life I had not planned to live This was not the life I had planned for me. It wasn't safe, but it continues to be a life rich in daily rewards from God. And as I reflect on that, you know, I'm at that age where you start reflecting on looking back at life and, oh, I made that mistake. I wish I'd done that differently. Oh, I did that pretty well. Whatever you're reflecting on, I was looking at, what would my, I talked to Miriam about this once. I said, what would my life have been looking like if I was a pilot instead of a pastor, which is what I wanted to do? I've come to the belief that saying yes to God in that moment when it was not safe and I didn't know what was going to happen with regard to my treasure was not only the right decision for me, but it was the best decision I could have made. So what I'm trying to say to you, I get it. I'm still trying to get it. (laughs) Many of us have a hard time trusting God. When it comes to money, I have my new areas of trying to trust God with this in my life. 
In fact, the decision made 40 years ago did not once solve once and for all, now I trust God with everything in my life when it comes to money and treasure. But by not placing ourselves there in trusting God, we will miss out on the rewards God has for us that bring much greater satisfaction and meaning in life than we could ever imagine. I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, right? And he came to this earth. But before he came to this earth, he had this ultimate position as God next to the Father. He was the son of God the Father. And we learn from Paul's writing to the Philippians that even though he was God, in very nature God is the way Paul wrote it, he made nothing of himself. Whoa. This is the Jesus we're going to follow? He made nothing of himself. How? By taking <coughs> the nature of a servant, being made in the likeness of a human being. He was God. He came down and he was made in our likeness. We are like him. He is like us. And for him, that was a downgrade. He was God in heaven. And then he came to us and became like us. And then that was not all. And then he became obedient to God the Father. He humbled himself even more to the point of death on a cross. And let me just take a moment, not just any death, but death on a cross. And we use that word cross and we go, yeah, I know he's killed on a cross. That was physically painful for I don't know how long he endured unimaginable pain. I mean, I went to see the Passion of the Christ. I cried, I cried, I cried. I walked out of there. I said, help me to never sin again. And then it wasn't long before I sinned again. I said, God, help me. Forgive me. He died. And especially when, it, when the end of his life came, you know when you're on a cross, you know how you actually die? Suffocation. While you're on that cross, you push up. You keep pushing up. His, his body was so racked, he wasn't able to push up, and so he suffocated. And then he cries out to God the Father, and he says, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Can you imagine the price that Jesus paid for what we enjoy today, our salvation, our hope, our eternity? <laughs> he died for something, and you know what? He, you only die for something that is precious to you. <laughs> he died for us, and this means that Jesus must have looked at us, and he said, you, and you, and you, and you, and you, you are my precious. I love it. I love that, what that means. See, Jesus made us his treasure. In the Lord of the Rings, the treasure was the ring, and this ring had this power to determine a person's future destiny. And Jesus is telling us that what we consider to be most precious will determine our destiny. The question for us is, will we treasure Jesus the way he treasures us? Jesus made the choice, didn't he, to lose all his treasure for you and me, and we became his treasure. And I don't know about you, but that humbles me. That melts my heart. It lifts me up in thankfulness and gratitude. Mar Martin Lloyd-Jones, a Welsh pastor from the early 20th century, I ran across this quote and I just had to share it with you. He talks about his own journey with about earthly treasures. Listen to this, because here's a good perspective. He says, I do not cling to these things, talking of earthly treasures. They do not become the center of my life and existence. 
I do not live for them or dwell upon them constantly in my mind. They do not absorb my life. On the contrary, I hold them loosely. I am not governed by them. Rather, I govern them. And as I do this, I am steadily securing and safely storing up for myself treasures in heaven. I want to put that in my office somewhere and in my home and, and in my bathroom. I, I need to see this often, more often because I love what he says about earthly treasures. We don't cling to them. doesn't mean we don't have earthlies. It doesn't mean we don't have things that we care about. It doesn't mean we don't have things that make our life a little easier. It says we don't cling to them. It says we don't, they, they do not become the center of our life. They become things that help us live our life. They do not, we do not live for them. I do not dwell on them constantly. I hold them loosely. <laughs> so when that opal ring left, we had to hold it loosely. And I am not governed by them. Man, just take that. That's how we get a little bit of freedom from earthly treasures that can consume us. Have you ever wished you cared more for eternal things? Maybe, maybe you have. Temporal things of the earth, they hold such a stranglehold on us at times. It's because, you see, our hearts follow our money. What we treasure is what captures our heart. Let me give you an example. Let's say you buy a few shares of Google stock. I looked at the price. I don't plan on buying any real soon. <laughs> but let's say you buy a few shares of Google stock. What happens? You all know what happens, right? You suddenly develop an interest in Google. And you probably start by watching the status of that stock. You take a little bit, maybe walk it, look at it three or four times a day. And when it goes down, you get anxious. You go, oh, no, my heart. You're, oh, what's going to happen to my investment, right? And when it goes up, our heart is temporarily filled with joy. But we know it's not going to stay up. It may go down again. And, and then so we live with this constant watching to see how it's doing because we believe our existence to some degree depends on that stock. And probably it does. But let's say you start giving and even join a go team. I mean, we talked about go teams a couple of weeks ago, right? By the way, if you still have questions about the go teams, God's been speaking to your heart, and you have some desires to know more, right after third service, we have a lunch today and a gathering where you're going to have all your questions answered. You can hear all about the different places we're going again and see what God has for you, okay? So you're welcome to join that. But let's say you, go, you decide to go on a go team, and you spend some time at a manual orphanage in, the, in Honduras, well, what happens? <laughs> Just like the Google stock, you, you, you develop an interest in that orphanage. You want to know how the children are doing. You want to know what's happening in that part of the world. And if things are not happening well, you want to somehow get involved or somehow pray a more, little more deeply. And you stay in contact with the orphanage leaders and maybe some kids. And I know for though many of those who have been going to that orphanage year after year, or at least even one time, they start writing letters to the kids and the kids write back. And there's this, there's this relationship, this heavenly treasure that's being built. And they're even sending Christmas gifts to these kids. And that is, a, as they get this, their heart is tugged for heavenly purposes. A deep attachment is developed. My point is this. You probably would never have been concerned for the Emmanuel Orphanage if you hadn't invested in it in some way or if you hadn't gone there. Do you wish you cared more for eternal things? Then consider reallocating your money, some of your money, for the eternal and not the temporal. Put your resources, your assets, your possessions, your time, your energy into things 
that God thinks are important and he would call a heavenly treasure. And then watch what happens. Your heart will become so attached to that treasure. You know why? Money leads, hearts follow. Money leads, hearts follow. See, God wants our heart. He isn't looking for detached philanthropists for his kingdom. He's looking for followers who who are so filled with a vision for eternity that they wouldn't dream of not investing their time and their money and their prayers where they will matter most. (laughs) In the end of the movie, the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, Frodo has always known that he cannot and must not give in to the power of that ring. He knows, though, it must be destroyed. And he and Sam, one of his buddies, they approach cracks of the doom, and he is weak. And in this weakness, the ring takes him. Frodo can't resist the temptation to take this ring as his own, to make it his precious. And eventually, both Frodo and another character in the, in the movie called Gollum fall over the ledge of the crack of doom and that volcano fighting for the ring. And Gollum, he ends up going into the fire with the ring and the ring is destroyed, but somehow Frodo clings to the ledge of the, of the, of the volcano and is rescued. But here's the deal. Frodo's failure at the last moment reveals the danger of the ring. The power of that ring preyed on the desires of people. Just like our earthly treasures prey on the desires of each of us each and every day. I can be completely satisfied in the moment. And I watch some commercial on TV about food and I get hungry. Or I'm happy with my cars. And all of a sudden, I see this truck that you can back up with a little wheel like this. And you can put a camera on it, and you can see through a trailer. I go, I need that. (laughs) The desires that are created in us are real, aren't they? They're real. Those desires have the ability to determine our destiny. So let me challenge you. What do you treasure? There are two key choices in your life when it comes to your money. Who will be your master is one. And where you will put your money, eternity or here and now, is the other. God wants our heart. He wants us to surrender to him because I've always thought, hey, he he put this whole place together. He probably has a better idea than that TV commercial about what I should do and what I should be about my life and about what I should treasure. And you remember, this treasure has the power to determine our destiny. Our hearts become attached to the place our treasure is found. (laughs) So what's your heart attached to that leads you to where your treasure is? Is it more attached to the temporal or the eternal? Listen, it's going to be attached to both probably, but is it more attached to the eternal rather than the temporal. So for those of you who are sitting here and you are followers of Jesus, here's my, here's my request. 
I pray often, may, may when we fill this place up and people come to this place, may they just not hear some great information and go off and go, okay, that was nice, or Gary did a barely, you know, he did a C job on the message today. What is God saying to your heart? And here's what I want you to leave with. You write this down if you want, because I don't have it. Well, it's up on the screen. What is the next step of obedience for you when it comes to your treasure? Just what's the next step? What's the next step of surrender? We're going to sing a song in just a minute called I Surrender. Ben, you can come on out. I'm going to have them come on out, and they're going to do this song with us. And, And when this song is being sung... I want to invite you to come forward and allow people to pray for you. We're going to have our pastors, our elders, and other lay leaders to come, and they're going to be up here in the front, and they want to pray. Now, why do I ask you to do that? Because we can walk out the door, and 10 minutes later, forget everything that just went down, and forget this moment that God has created in your heart and in your mind that could take action if you will allow it. And when you come forward and you spend a few extra moments praying with someone and trusting that, that prayer to that person, you know what happens? You don't quickly forget it. And if you're even willing to leave your name, we'll follow up with you. We'll just want to encourage you. Because we want to be a church that is in the, in the process of pursuing in a passionate, real, authentic way the life that Jesus gives us. And this is a biggie, isn't it? So as the song, I Surrender Are, all is sung. And if you want to join in, I'd invite you to come and be prayed for and allow others to pray.